Can you guys join me in standing? Please, can we do that this morning? Psalm 24, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lord, you are the one. Lord Jesus, you ascended the hill with a cross on your back. And as you were lifted up, the God of all creation came down. Because you are the one with clean hands. You are the one who is truly pure of heart. And as we look to you this morning, we trust that you make us clean. You touch us. You heal us. You cleanse us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us this morning. Because we are here to seek your face. We want to hear from you. We want to draw near to you. That we might experience more of you. And I trust that you will help us in that way. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Have a seat. My name is Simon, if we've not met before. And uh, you, if you're new to Grace City, are going to catch the very last installment of a series of sermons that we've been doing for the last 16 weeks entitled Cloud of Witnesses. Um, that metaphor, the cloud of witnesses, is based off of a passage in the book of Hebrews, specifically Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, where we're um, encouraged to run the race, or uh, considering the great cloud of witnesses, those who've gone before us. Considering we have this great cloud of witnesses around us, let us also, therefore, um, throw away all the sin and everything that clings to us that would weigh us down and hold us back and let us also run with endurance the race set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, that we might be where he is as he welcomes us home, as he leads the way. Um, We have a race to run, and what a race it is. Life is long, is it not? It's... um, it's a marathon, to say the least. So we've been considering all of these, uh, these heroes of faith, faith the, the ancients, believe, believers of old. And this morning, um, as we've worked through this long list, the cloud of witnesses, this long list of people who have also trusted God in their generation, we've come to the end and we're going to be looking at Samuel. So... Uh, The words will be on the screen as always, or if you'd like, you can turn in your own paper Bible or digital Bible to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, the priest. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple or the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. And he said, here I am. 
And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you. Lie down again. Sounds like something I would say to one of my kids. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. Verse 6. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and he went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said, and we're just going to stop right there. Because the Lord actually says all sorts of things to Samuel. This is the beginning of a whole lifetime of this young man named Samuel who grows up and begins to listen and hear the voice of God. And this really marks Samuel. We want to sort of um, highlight, like, what is it that's unique about Samuel? What, what made him worth being mentioned in this long list of, of those who have gone before us, the cloud of witnesses? Samuel was a man in a day when it was rare for people to hear the voice of God or, or to have some sort of a vision where God was revealing something to people. Samuel was a man who listened and heard the voice of God. So this morning, we're going to talk about listening and hearing the voice of God. I'd like to do this, um, let me just break it down for you. I'm going to mention three things up front, sort of some general uh, principles, if you will, that are going to help us sort of frame this. Um, and then we're going to look specifically at some of the things that we can sort of glean from Samuel. Like, what was it about his life? How did he hear God? And what might those principles look like applied to our lives? Um, so, to begin with, let me just make a few general points. Number one, we can all hear God's voice. Or to put it another way, God loves talking to his kids. He loves talking to his people. And as special as Samuel was, and to be sure, he was, he was unique. He was an Old Testament, quote-unquote, prophet. Okay, he heard God in a very, very unique way. But as the story progresses, not only Samuel's story, but like the story of God, we find that God actually desires to speak to people in general. That's sort of his like mission. He's not just wanting to like create this little VIP lounge where only the very special, the spiritually elite get to actually like meet with him and hear from him. God is on a mission to uh, adopt many, many sons and daughters, and God loves talking to his kids. In fact, this is a sort of a theological development that we find working itself out as we continue the story. Um, specifically, I'm referring to an ancient prophecy that was made by Joel. He's one of the, um, the prophets, the ancients, who heard from God himself. 
And he writes this down in Joel chapter 2. He says, in the last days, which by the way are our days, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men and women will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Or in other words, they will hear my voice. And they'll share with others what they're hearing. That's what it means to, um, to prophesy. Whether you're a son, a daughter, old, young, male, female, servant, free, uh, I want to pour out my spirit on all people that everyone might experience this sort of um, intimate relationship with me, that everyone would hear my voice. And this Joel chapter 2 is what uh, Peter, one of the earliest and main leaders of the church in the New Testament, actually quotes in Acts chapter 2. When the Holy Spirit's finally being poured out, this ancient uh, prophecy is fulfilled in a moment. He says, you know, the onlookers are all wondering, what on earth is happening? Peter stands up and he says, this is Joel chapter 2. The Spirit is, is finally being poured out. This is what Jesus told his disciples to wait for before you leave the city. Before you go and begin to tell the world that I'm alive, wait. Wait for the promise of my Father, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit which is for every one. Sometimes the Lord is quiet. Sometimes it's good to just simply be in the presence of God. No words necessary. We don't always have to hear the voice of God. But sometimes, oftentimes, God does desire to speak to his children. So that's what we're talking about this morning. The Lord is speaking and inviting those who are seeking him to incline their ears and listen. That's the first point. We can all hear God's voice. Number two, it's actually super important, crucial, that we learn to hear God's voice. Two reasons. Number one, because in a world saturated with competing voices, the church needs to hear the voice of the Spirit. Um, the book of Revelation, which everyone loves or hates, um, at the very end of the book, we find these um, seven letters being written, inspired by the Spirit, to seven different churches. Now, these are actual historic churches, um, but it's been argued by many that these seven historic churches actually also represent like the sort of the, the, the whole church, seven being like the complete number, all the church for all of time. So there's something there to us as well. And at the end of each one of those letters, it ends like this. It says, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So, that, that's an invitation to us. Let the church listen. So that we don't just get caught up doing our own thing, but that we're being led by the voice of our king. We're hearing the spirit. So it's important that the church learns how to hear the voice of God. Secondly, um, this is number two, part two. 
uh, it's crucial that we learn to hear God's voice because the world doesn't need more Christian theorists. People who can talk a lot about God but don't, don't really know how to uh, connect with God in a way that's uh, deeply personal. It's real. Um, the world doesn't need more Christian theorists. It needs sons and daughters. You and I need true connection, not just more knowledge about God, but deep, real, intimate knowledge or relationship with God. And our world needs to witness that. Our world needs to be able to look on and not just hear people theorizing or, or competing ideologies about God, but, but people who are actually walking with God, experiencing real relationship with God. Um, I think that's what we all desire, actually. So that's number two. It's important or crucial that we learn to hear God's voice. And number three is simply a disclaimer. This might help a lot of you just right off the bat because you might be feeling very nervous right now. If you've not yet learned to recognize God's voice, there's nothing wrong with you. Okay, you're not doing it wrong. You're not like a failure of a Christian that's super, super important. If you've not yet learned to hear, you've never experienced like what it means to feel or hear the voice of God, you're okay. This message is simply an invitation to go deeper into a love relationship with our Lord. Samuel, as we just read, he was actually hearing the voice of God before he realized it. And I suspect that many of us actually do hear God. Probably not audibly. That's super, super rare. Um, but we get impressions. We have dreams. Uh, brothers and sisters will say things to us that, that are actually from the heart of God. Or even when we're reading scripture, sometimes like a word will just jump off the page and it's as if like, man, is this, was this written specifically for me? Some of you may actually be hearing God's voice, but you just don't realize it. Like Samuel, it took three times before Eli finally said, boy, go lay down. And this time, when you hear what you think is my voice calling you, say, Lord, I'm listening. Go ahead and speak. So that's the disclaimer. So we can all hear God's voice because God likes talking to his kids. Um, it's actually really important. And then uh, if you've never experienced this before, um, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just simply an invitation for all of us to actually like, go deeper in this. So what can we learn from Samuel about hearing God's voice? This is going to be probably one of uh, the more practical messages that we've, we've heard throughout this series. I, I tend to not do practical. I like to think way up here. Um, and then let y'all kind of figure out what to do with it. This is going to be much more practical. Because that's just kind of how I think. Um, let's begin with a, probably one of the more obvious points that we could easily just skip over. But that is, Samuel had a listening place. In verse 3 it said, Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. He had a very particular place. We're told that he was in a specific place. Um, he was in the tabernacle where the ark of God was. In that time, 
The ark is where the Lord's presence dwelt. It's obviously not to say that he was somehow like confined to this little box in a tent. But that was, that was the place. That was the place where people would go to hear God speak. At times they would have to travel long distances so they could meet with the priest. And the priest could then, in that place, pray for them or, or, or share with them some wisdom from God. That, that was the place where they would hear the voice of God. And Samuel was in that place. Um, this is actually a pattern. It's not just Samuel. but We see this all throughout scripture. Particularly when we skip forward to Jesus. We're told that Jesus would get up. Oftentimes when it was still dark. And go out to a solitary place. Now before we get weird with this. The place doesn't really matter. I don't know that there's like a magical place that, where, you know, God's like more in this place than he is in another place. But the point is uh, that Samuel had a place. That he had a time. That he had, um, he had a rhythm that he'd given himself to. This, this is what we see in the life of Jesus. And, just to contradict myself a little bit, I think there might actually be something to specific places. This morning I was downstairs in our prayer room. We call it the boiler room because it's where our boiler used to be. And uh, Judah and I, we were sitting in the room. And uh, I was praying. Judah sort of let himself in. And he sat down. And uh, he just wanted to be in the room with me. It's a really cool room. It's literally right below me. And... uh, I was praying, and I stopped, and I asked Judah if he wanted to pray, and he prayed. And then we sat down, and we were just being quiet together, and I said, Judah, do you ever, do you ever feel like God is talking to you? And he didn't answer. He didn't say yes or no. And we just sat there for a second, and then he said, I feel like God is in this place. Right? No, he said, I feel like God is here right now. Remember that? And I said, yep, I feel that too. There's something about this little room that we've, we've, we've built and we've sort of set aside as our special place to come and meet with God and to listen to our Father. Now again, um, I'm not saying that this is like it's the magical place, um, but it's our place. And I think the principle that we might apply as we look at Samuel, is that there's something to having like an intentionality, a particular place, a particular time, like a rhythm that I've given myself to. This is the time, this is the place that I meet with my father and I quiet myself and I listen in prayer. And I think there's, I think there's something to that. The place doesn't matter, what does matter that you simply have a place or a time or a habit or an intentional rhythm that you've committed yourself to. Number two, Samuel had a listening partner. We're going to go with P's this morning. He had a place. He had a listening partner. He had Eli. He had someone that he went to when he was trying to figure out what he was hearing. Connecting with God is deeply personal but it, it's not meant to remain private. You've probably heard preachers say this before. It's personal, but not necessarily private. Listening often begins privately. But unless our listening includes others, 
ideally a diverse community of fellow listeners, we run the risk of mistaking our own voice or some other voice for the voice of our Savior. Eli helped Samuel to recognize God's voice. And so we need listening partners. Our brothers and sisters can help us hear. Um, the saints of old can help us hear. Um, and by that, I'm not just talking about the Samuels and the Davids and the Samsons. I'm talking about like the C.S. Lewis's and the, 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 uh, the, the Tim Keller's. Not quite ancient, but um, those who have gone before us, who have also been listening. We can read books and we can absolutely meditate on scripture and listen to one another and discern God's voice as we listen together. This is a New Testament principle. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 29. Two or three prophets should speak and others should weigh carefully what is said. Now the context here is actually um, a, a gathering. So when the church was coming together uh, to do what we're doing, this is an ancient tradition we're participating in this morning. Um, and he's saying when you do that, if there's a couple, two or three people in the gathering that feel like they're actually hearing God's voice, fine, let them go, to sh go ahead and share that. Do it in a way that's orderly because there's a good chance there will be people there who aren't believers. Um, and it's not super loving to be like weird and freak people out. Um, so try to, try to do that in a way that's loving and, and orderly. Have two or three people share what they think God is saying. And then have a couple of other people weigh it. So that you're listening together. You may think you're hearing God's voice. Or maybe it's just the burrito coming up. You may think you're hearing God's voice. Or maybe it's just that podcast that you've been binging on way too long. All right? And so when we listen together, we're able to like temper our listening and and help each other. We listen together. That's just a basic biblical principle. Now, on the flip side of that, there is some wisdom um, to go along that with that as well. Um, be wise. Some people, if we're listening together, will simply tell us what they want us to hear. Or they'll tell us what we want to hear. And so, and first, or Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, it says, The time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine, like what the Bible really says. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. So that's kind of the flip side of things. We want to listen together. Weigh it up, help each other, um, but we also need to be um, wise and uh, self-aware because I think we all can have the tendency to simply hear what we want to hear, make the Bible say what we want it to say, um, or we can be influenced. Um, people will just figure out ways to kind of piece together all sorts of um, ideas or teachings that aren't quote-unquote sound doctrine and um, if we're not listening, if we're not listening together with brothers and sisters who are like walking in relationship with, sometimes we're just sort of like getting messages in a vacuum. 
and we're not able to like process or flesh things out in a, in a conversation, like in a community where there's trust there. Like you know me, I know you. You know what I want to hear, and, and you actually love me enough to speak the truth in a way that's not going to tear me down, but help me and encourage me and build me up. And so there's a real dynamic when it comes to listening together. And as I mentioned a minute ago, uh, the Bible is our best listening partner. Our best listening partner. So when God was speaking to Samuel, little Samuel, and he went to Eli, and Eli said, look, it's God's trying to talk to you. Go back, lay down, and this is what you want to do. And so God speaks to Samuel. Now, I didn't read it. But you know what he says to God? He, um, he essentially tells Samuel, God tells Samuel what he had already told Eli. It's interesting. God had been speaking to Eli about his future. Um, some really tragic stuff, actually. Something to do with his sons and, yeah, bad, hard, hard things, hard things. And God shares this with little Samuel. When Samuel reports back to Eli, or rather when Eli goes to Samuel and says, so what did he say? What did he say? And um, Samuel tells him with some hesitancy, but it's essentially what God had already told Eli. And Eli was like, mm, yep, that's, that's, yes, you're hearing right. God told me the same thing. Uh, it's, it's the Lord. And we can do that. When we feel like we're hearing our Father's voice, we can take it to the Bible and sort of compare it to what God has already said. And if it contradicts what God has already said in Scripture, then we know well, that's, that's probably not the voice of God. Now, for sure, that's not the voice of God. Or if what I'm uh, sensing, like for example, oftentimes I'll be sitting in our prayer room by myself, and I'll feel like the Holy Spirit's prompting me, just, just be still. Just listen. Because that's a part of prayer, right? It's, it's conversation with God. I feel like God sometimes reminds me, just, just be quiet. I'd like to talk now. And then God's very slow to speak. He doesn't just like, okay, you're done, my turn. It's like, usually I'm sitting there for like what feels like an hour. It's probably like a minute. And then it's as if God is like whispering to my heart. That's how I would describe it. And sometimes I'll hear something like, Simon, I love you. That's it. That's what I get. And let me tell you, that's like um, when life is hard and you're beginning to wonder, am I lovable? Or am I, am I as gross as I feel? And then in a moment when God, not just someone with an opinion, but when the one who created the universe and upholds all things by the word of his power speaks, and he says, Simon, I love you. Oh, that changes everything. And then I'm like, wait a second. Am I hearing God? Am I hearing God? Let me, let me check that real quick. Yeah, he loves me. He loves me. Checks out. And sometimes it's as simple as that. 
Other times it's a bit more complex. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to dig deep here. And I might have to invite some friends, like, hey, can you listen with me? Because I think God is directing me in a way that's actually going to affect my future, and it's going to involve some specific decisions, and I think it might be the voice of God. And I've been, I've been looking at Scripture, and it seems to align, but, but can you listen with me? And there's a, whole, there's a whole process of listening together. That's point number two. Samuel had a listening place. Samuel had a listening partner or partners. Number three. Oh, wait. Side note. This is a good. Side note. Practicing listening to God will help you to become a better friend, a better lover, a better parent, a better leader, a better confidant, uh, because good listening is really good for a relationship. This is something I've just sort of discovered. I don't, I don't have a Bible verse for this, per se, except that I think listening is one of the most loving things that we can do to a person. Not just waiting for my turn, um, but really listening well and engaging in, in that process, doing the work of listening. The more I practice listening to God, the, f- the more I find that spills over in my relationships. It helps me a lot. Good listening can lead to good relationship. Point number three. Samuel wasn't a passive listener. He had a missional posture. When it came to listening to the voice of God, Samuel understood that there was no separation of hearing and doing. This is important. First Samuel uh, 15.22, Ben referenced this in his amazing message last week. It says... Um, Samuel, he's now grown up Samuel now. He's speaking to Saul, who's really blowing it. feel bad for the guy. Um, But he says to Saul, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams, which is another way of saying sacrifice. And he parallels these two categories. Listening and obeying always go together. Listening and obeying always go together. Hearing and acting are two, not like if you're into one or the other, cool, do whatever you're into. But like, no, the, if you're hearing, you're acting. In fact, this is, um, this is a, a concept that spans the, the, all of the Old Testament in particular, um, have you guys ever heard of the Shema? Familiar with that word? Uh, so it's like a kind of a famous prayer in the Old Testament. The most famous prayer, arguably. This is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. It starts out by saying, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God, etc., etc. It's what Jesus quotes when he's being questioned about what's the most important uh, of all the, the laws. And he quotes the Shema. Hear, O Israel. The Hebrew word Shema is hear. Do you know what the Hebrew word for obey is? Shema. It's the same word. You can do a very simple like word search in like virtually any Bible software. Look up hear in the Hebrew and you'll find the word Shema. Look up obey in Hebrew and you'll find the word Shema. 
it's, they're twin categories. It's two sides of the same coin. To hear is to obey. And if you're obeying, then you're hearing. So in the world of Samuel, there was no such thing as hearing the voice of God not actually acting on it. And so he had a posture of, of readiness, a missional posture, if you will. When he heard the voice of God, he knew that there was some action, there was some, something to do with what he was hearing. This, of course, shows up in the New Testament most explicitly in James chapter 1. It says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after going away or after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like, he or she looks like. I love that because James sort of like incorporates identity in this, uh, this idea of hearing and doing. If you've truly heard the word, if you've truly heard God speak to you, and there's something about uh, what it means to be a child of God that quite naturally works out in obedience, in action. So to hear is to obey. For Samuel, much of his doing actually simply involved sharing what he was hearing with others. Which, as a preacher, I'm kind of down with that. Um, Sometimes God will say something to you, and the step of obedience is to share that with someone. Now, it could mean, um, what, what did we quote from Proverbs this morning? Giving to the poor. Okay, there's, there's, a, there's wisdom from the book of Proverbs. We've heard it, now let's do it. Dang. We, gotta, we, we need to be thinking about the poor in our community. How do we help them? How do we give to them? It's actually one of the true marks of an actual Christian. We're caring for the poor. Widows and orphans. Marginalized, if you will. Um, Sometimes it's the, the obedience piece is as simple as sharing with someone what God has given you to share. Um, I'll share this with you. This is one of the first times I experienced this. I was in London. Um, Shirley and I were still living there. and We had a little gathering. Um, we met Sunday evenings on the campus at Imperial College. And... Uh, it's similar to this, super cool vibe, really attractive people, wonderful people. And um, I remember one night, I don't know what I was talking about. It was a long time ago, but I was preaching. And then towards the end of my sermon, I had this like almost undeniable like prompting that the Lord wanted me to share something with this girl who I'd never met before. I'd never seen her, except that now she was sitting in the back of the room. She was sitting on the floor, leaning against the wall in the back. And I felt the Lord, like, prompt me to, like, share something with her, like, right in, in, the, in the mix, um, which normally I, I don't do, because, like, I don't, like, I'm not into just embarrassing people or calling people out. Like, that's, that's a, it felt very, very risky, like an exceptional moment. But I couldn't shake it. The Lord was like, I want you to speak to this girl. But I, I, want, I want the congregation to actually be a part of this moment. Because I'm going to do something that's not only going to encourage her. So all of this was just like happening in a moment. So I mustered the courage. And I said, hey, I want to share something before we end tonight. And um, 
please forgive me ahead of time if, if this is just, if this is awkward. Um, but it's for you. And she kind of had this look of panic on her face, like, oh, like you're calling me out? Like, you, you get me, right? Like, this is super risky. Um, but I'm like, yeah, it's for you. And, uh, and I got down, and I walked up to her. I, didn't, I don't even think I asked her to get up. I think I got close to her, and she stood up. I don't remember all the details, but I remember, I remember a few things for sure. And I said, um, what's your name? I don't remember her name. And I said, I felt like the Lord wanted me to share something with you, and this is it. And I said, I don't remember what I said. For the life of me, I have no idea what I said to this girl. What I do remember, though, is she started crying, and then she got really angry. And she said something like, I don't appreciate people in this church sharing personal things about me with some pastor I've never even met. How dare you? And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I, I, no one said anything to me about you. Like, I don't, I, and later I realized she thought that her friend who had invited her to church had like filled me in on all the dirt like the previous week, hey, my friend's coming, this, 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 and that, and the other. And I'm like, no, 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 like, I, I, I'm so sorry, but I don't know you, and that's not the case. I just feel like God wanted me to, like, share these things with you because he sees you and he really loves you. And it was just, like, incredible moment. That, that's actually oftentimes when, when you read about, quote, unquote, prophecy in the New Testament, that's oftentimes what's happening. God is, like, giving something, speaking to someone for someone. And it's meant to encourage them, to remind them that like, God, God sees you. He knows where you're at. He loves you. He wants to help you. He's here to rescue you. And then people are encouraged. Uh, the body of Christ, the church, is built up in love. Um, so, listening to God is not a passive endeavor. It's something we're meant to do something with. Samuel had a missional posture. That was number three. Number four. The Lord called Samuel by his first name. For Samuel, listening to the voice of God was deeply personal. Samuel, Samuel. Here I am. All three times we're told that the Lord addressed Samuel by his name, his first name. How cool is that? He knew who Samuel was. He knew his name. Jesus said, according to the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 2 through 4, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. He's referring to himself. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. He calls them by name. By the way, I could have just started with this one. We can all hear God's voice. We're all his sheep. 
And Jesus wants us to not only hear his voice, but to become so familiar with it that we can discern it among all the other voices. And when the shepherd said, says this way, we're not, we're not confused. We're like, oh, I, don't, I don't know, maybe it's this way. No, it's, I know my shepherd's voice. And he calls me by name. Listening to God isn't just another spiritual practice or a technique to be mastered. What I'm talking about this morning is all about relationship. It's personal. Um, Even when it comes to the missional piece, to contradict myself a little bit, um, the, the doing when hearing, it's actually a bit of a misnomer because we don't do stuff for God. God invites us to do things with him. Because he loves us. And doing things with someone you love is an integral part of relationship. So sometimes we can begin to think about this whole notion of hearing God's voice. It's like, oh, like I'm into that. Like, I want to master that technique. I want to, I want to be one of those people in the church that's like always hearing God's voice. And then people will think I'm super spiritual. And, and we can make it really, really weird fast if we forget that hearing the voice of our Father is as simple as being loved. It's about relationship. This is why God wants to talk to us. It's not like going to the tarot card reader, where it's like, I just need to get like a word from the universe. I just need to like lock into the vibe so that I can get the direction and get the answers and get the next step so that I can get the thing and the money and the whatever else. Like, no offense if that just, I guess it's kind of rude if, if you're into that sort of thing. Um, But that's not what this is. That's not what this is. God wants to speak to us, to direct us for sure, to help us with like the complicated, challenging, detailed things of life. But more than anything else, God wants to talk to his kids because he loves us. And communication, in my experience, is a big part of relationship. Our father wants us to hear his voice because he wants to relate to us deeply personally he calls us by name one more point let me summarize Samuel had a listening place you could say there was a pattern to his life an intentionality number two Samuel had a listening partner who was listening with others Samuel, number three, Samuel wasn't a passive listener, but had a missional posture. He understood that listening and doing go together. And then number four, uh, Samuel was called by name. It was personal. Lastly, everything I'm submitting to you is only possible because Jesus ascended the hill. Remember the psalm I read to you this morning? Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Jesus, the one who came down, ascended the hill and was lifted up. And when Jesus died, we're told that the veil in the temple, that thick curtain that would separate us from the ark, the holy place where the presence of God would dwell, the veil was torn from top to bottom. That means God himself tore the veil down. 
Listening to the voice of God is our birthright as adopted sons and daughters in Christ because of what God has done for us, because of the cross. It's my birthright. I'm a son. You're a daughter. And I don't have to master a technique. I don't have to pay for a, a graduate level course. I don't have to go through this uh, ornate routine or I don't have to acquire secret knowledge. I don't have to jump through a thousand hoops. I don't have to ascend the hill because Jesus has ascended the hill for me. Therefore, I can come boldly before the throne of grace. I can enter into that place where the presence of God dwells and I can expect that my Father loves me and wants to speak to me. I get to hear the voice of God because Jesus has opened the gate. He's the good shepherd that leads me in. That's good news because because this whole business of hearing the voice of God, if that's not like your temperament, if that's not something you've ever experienced before, you could leave here thinking like, man, I got I to gotta get this right. I got to figure this out. If I'm going to be like an actual like, son or daughter of God, I better, I better start listening better. And somehow put this pressure on yourself that somehow you've got to make this happen. Um, you remember the book of Exodus? This is going to feel slightly tangent, but totally connects. Remember the book of Exodus? Moses crossing the Red Sea, Israel being set free from slavery. Towards the very end of Exodus, God begins to instruct his people on how to build uh, a, a tabernacle. It's like a big tent out in the desert. And he was very, very uh, specific how it was to be constructed, which way it was to point, and like all the things were to be set up just so, and there was always to be like a blood sacrifice, and like all of these things. And then once the tabernacle was uh, done, this is where the book of Exodus ends. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses couldn't get in to meet with God because God's glory was just too, too much. And that's how Exodus ends. Moses couldn't get into the tabernacle, which begs the question, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can get in? You know what comes after the book of Exodus? It's the book of Leviticus. There's a whole lot of work to be done if you want to get in the tabernacle. If you want to get to the place where Samuel was resting. Jesus has entered in once and for all. And he invites his sheep to follow we don't have to erect the tabernacle. We don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. We don't have to be like spiritually elite or acquire all the secret knowledge or somehow like become someone we're not. Because Jesus, Jesus has made a way. Jesus, he has torn down the veil. He fulfilled all of the laws and how we're welcome to come boldly before his throne of grace 
If you remember nothing else, try to remember that one. And I encourage you, practice listening to the voice of God. Next week, we're going to start our new sermon series, our summer series. Ben and I, we're going to tag team this one officially. I am so excited. We're going to talk about what it means to live life in the Spirit. How do, I, how do I hear the voice of the Spirit? If the church has been called to hear the voice of the Spirit, how do I do that? How do I grow in that? How can I experience um, a real felt relationship with Jesus by the Spirit of Christ who now lives in me? You guys excited for that? That's going to be good. It's going to be really good. Can we stand together, please?